want to talk around this area today about building a culture of compassion. And you, th you might think, how does forgiveness and compassion work hand in hand? Well, um, that's what I'm going to speak to you about. And I, I know that, um, you know, in our life, Forgiveness can be hard, can't it? Who's ever had trouble forgiving someone? Come on, let's be honest. Forgiveness is hard. It's easy to say, I forgive you, but that real sense of, of, of letting it be part of, of how you work um, out your life and how you relate to people and how you um, cut yourself off from that anchor because unforgiveness is an anchor that's going to... Um, just, just stop you from doing stuff. Stop you from fulfilling the word of God in your life. So this morning I just want to have a look at this area very quickly and see how it relates to us in our life. So are we ready? Awesome. Now where we're going to start is looking at the words of Jesus on the cross. Okay? And when we look at the words of Jesus on the cross... There's a number of things he said. In Matthew it says, he cried out, My Father, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Now to me that sounds like despair, doesn't it? That's, that, that's words of desperation. That's words of sorrow. That is a real word that, that it comes from deep of, of just rejection, of just being left alone. A real sense of despair in those words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When we look back in the Psalms where that, that whole psalm was written um, hundreds of years before, you know, the, the psalmist says, I am not a man, I am a worm. You know, just this real, real place of darkness. And Jesus cried out these words from that place of darkness. He also said to the thief, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. It was a dialogue between the thief and Jesus. As he was coming towards the end of, of his life, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He spoke to his mother and the apostle John and says, Dear woman, here is your son. And to, to John he says, Here is your mother. He also said, I am thirsty. And he also said those three famous words, it is finished. But when I look at the, all the words that Jesus spoke on the cross, some of the most impacting and profound words was this one here. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. They do not know what they are doing doing you know forgiveness doesn't come from obedience to the law yeah sometimes we, we we look at the word of god and we know you know we can quote scripture that we 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 have to forgive people because god tells us we have to forgive people and, and it almost becomes like it's a law in our life but who knows that we don't operate out operate out of law amen we're new covenant people we're new covenant people and, it's, and it doesn't come from obedience. You know, Matthew 6 talks about um, 
um, where it says, you know, if you don't forgive people, uh, then your father won't forgive uh, you. And we get this sort of, this sense of, well, I better do it, you know, or else. But that's not why we forgive people. We don't forgive people out of a sense of guilt. You know, I'm, I'm a good Christian, therefore I have to forgive people. If I don't forgive them, then I'm being a bad example of Christian. See, that, that comes out of a sense of guilt. and We almost guilt ourselves into forgiving someone. But that don't really work either, does it? What about fear? Maybe we, we tend to think that I'll forgive someone out of a sense of fear. Matthew 18.35 talks about uh, the parable where um, a man owed his master a lot of money and he was forgiven that debt. And then he went out and, and nearly killed someone because he owed him a couple of dollars. You remember that parable in Matthew 18? And it's almost this sense of fear that, you know, oh yes, God's forgiven me a lot. Then, um, you know, if I don't forgive others, then there's going to be retribution, just as there was in that parable. And so there's that sense of fear that I better do it. But again, it's just verbalizing it. It just comes from, from, a, from a cognitive state of, I have to do this because. It could be pride. Well, I'm going to be the bigger person here and I'm going to forgive you even though you wronged me. That sense of pride. See, all these things, obedience, guilt, fear, pride, can be motivation for us to forgive people, but it's not the right motivation. There's only one thing that I believe will drive us to true forgiveness. And that is this. Compassion. Compassion. You see, when Jesus was on the cross, with all that was going around him, there was still that heart of compassion. And I believe it was that from that heart of compassion that Jesus was able to say these words, my um, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. You see, how did Jesus go from that place of despair of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To that place of forgiveness. But a moment later, it has to be compassion. He looked upon those that were treating him bad. He looked upon those that had caused all the injustice. My friends, Jesus was not in a good place on the cross. Can you imagine? Yes, his divine nature understood the purpose of the cross. He knew why he had to go to the cross. He knew why he had to hang there and take upon himself the sin of the world. He understood all that. But in his humanity, there would have been a war going on in his heart. The injustice of it all would just want to make you slap someone across the face, I tell you. How unjust was the cross that this man who lived a good life was a great example, never exhibited sin or wrongdoing in his life. And his friends 
running away. That sense of being deserted and betrayed. Come on, we've all been there, haven't we? And there's that war in our heart because we know that there is something in our heart that just wants to reach out to them in compassion, but the mind says, man, I'm going to get you if it's the last thing I do. Come on, who's ever struggled with that? Man, I just hope you get what you've got, got coming to you. That's the humanity. That's the humanity. And look, Jesus would have, he would have struggled with that, I believe, in his humanity about wanting to see justice being done. That those that had wronged him would have to pay. But Jesus overcome all that, didn't he? And when he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, you see the victory breakthrough. You see the heart of compassion take hold and take, take the victory in the situation. And if we ever struggle in forgiving someone, if we ever struggle with, with some injustice in our life or something's not quite going right in our life or, or our friends have betrayed us or they've, they've spoken ill against us, then we can go through all the points of, I've got to be obedient to the word. I better do it or else God's not going to forgive me. And all this thing. But that, my friends, comes from fear. But if we could learn to forgive out of compassion, just as Jesus forgave out of compassion, because he knew there was a bigger picture. He knew that it wasn't about him and i think that is the key people that of all the injustice all the improper action against us that we might feel that others have caused us and look it can be some horrible stuff i know i'm not trying to negate that some of the horrible stuff that happens to people and, and you know and all that sort of stuff i'm not negating the pain that that some people's actions bring into our life but there is victory in that and it comes through forgiveness and forgiveness through compassion. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. It's one of those things in our life that we need to, to challenge ourselves in. You see, when we are in despair, when there is a place of anger or offence or, or whatever, or unforgiveness, all that would lead to one thing and one thing only, and that is judgment. That is judgment. If that is where we live our life, in despair, in unforgiveness, in anger... It will lead to judgment. You'll always be judging the situation. You'll always be judging other people's actions. I know it because sometimes I find myself creeping across there. But I want to say, it's just a downward spiral. It's a downward spiral. You know what a vortex is? It's like a whirlpool. It just sucks you in. Slowly at first, slowly at first, 
but then you just find yourself in a place where you just don't know how you got there. A dark place. A place of judgment instead of a place of compassion. And I want to just look at three things very quickly because I've learned this from experience. Now we start getting sucked into this hole, this vortex, when we take notice of too much mainstream and social media. You know, Facebook is great. I, I like Facebook. It's a great tool to communicate with people, um, to, you know, to organize stuff and things like that. But gee, it can be a trap. A trap where we get sucked into the, the judgmental attitude that comes along and taking sides and this person has done this to me and you see the comments, well, you know, they'll pay for that and all this sort of stuff. The mainstream media that, you know, you've got to say is biased in a lot of ways and we get sucked into that, that biased opinions. You know, just take, for example, the, the recent coverage of the US elections. Who felt they were taking sides? Come on. You, you felt yourself getting drawn into taking sides. And whether it was for the Democrats or the Republicans, you just felt yourself because we were immersing ourselves into people's opinions of that. And we became judgmental, not only against the candidates, but against people who were opposing our point of view, who were opposing our ideology. And that's just one example. There are many. Take another. When you see this, uh, the social media and the mainstream media speaking out against, um, against Muslims and against ISIS, and look, those guys are doing atrocious things and even atrocious and horrible things to our brothers, our Christian brothers and sisters who are dying for their faith, who are being martyred. Atrocities, unspeakable atrocities. And yet we get drawn in to a point where we start being judgmental. And when we start being judgmental, compassion goes straight out the door. And then you know what happens. You know what follows straight after compassion? Our desire to reach out to them in the love of God and to share the gospel with them. Because our thought says, well, whatever them, they deserve a place in hell. Come on, guys, where's that attitude come from? That's not the example Christ left us. That's not the example that we are to exhibit in our life. You've wronged me, so you deserve your place in hell. Come on. No way. No one deserves a place in hell. Hell was never meant for the children of God. Hell was only ever created for the fallen angels. And yet we find ourselves desiring peoples to be in that place. Why? Because they wronged us. Why? Because they have a different point of view than us. Why? Because they have done wrong things. Look, we all do wrong things, guys. And our place in heaven is only by the grace of God. 
And you might think that lying is less of a sin than murder, but <laughs> they're both abominable to God and they both deserve eternal damnation. So you might think those that are associated with ISIS deserve hell more than those that tell lies. No. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short of God's perfection. And look, we never made it to heaven on our own basis. Someone shared the gospel with us. And we need to share the gospels with other people. It is part of our mandate. It is part of the call to go and make disciples. It starts with preaching the word, preaching the good news. But if there is unforgiveness in our heart, if there is judgment in our heart, we're not going to do it. We're not going to say you deserve to be with God. Come on, you hearing me, guys? A victim mentality, a victim culture sucks us in to this vortex of judgment where we sit back and we say, woe is me. Everyone owes me something. My life's been bad, so I'm going to take whatever. I've been robbed of something, so I'm going to get for myself everything that I can. You've wronged me, so I'm going to hold a grudge against you for my life. I'll show you. Can you see the, the, the futile thinking that is associated with this? This victim culture where we think that we need to suck it all into us. But one of the greatest victims of injustice was hanging on the cross. You think Jesus was a victim of injustice, of betrayal, of wrongdoing, of wicked men's schemes? Get rid of victim culture because you know what? It's not about you. It's not about me. The kingdom of God is not about me. Actually, my life is not about me. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but who? Christ lives in me. Guys, we've got to start putting some of this scripture into action. We can verbalize it, but we don't live it. And when we live with unforgiveness and when we live with this victim culture, we're actually saying, well, hang on, I'm trying to resurrect me. I'm trying to, to, to make it all about me. A consumer mentality sort of flows on from that. And this is, this is something I've really been pondering on a lot lately. And I'll, I'll share it more later in another, in another message. But a consumer mentality is really about taking everything for myself. And sometimes we can be like that even in our Christian walk. It's subtle, but remember, subtlety starts to draw us in, into judgment. Here's a simple equation. Unforgiveness leads to judgment. Offense leads to judgment. Disappointment, anger will lead to judgment. It does. It's just 
It's almost like a law of nature. You just follow that path and that's where you end up. But here's the other side of the equation. When you find forgiveness, you find compassion. When you do not take on for yourself offence, it leads to compassion. It is impossible to be compassionate while you are offended. Did you realise that? Think about it for a moment. It just doesn't work. It's like trying to mix oil and water. You might get a snippet of it. You might do it out of a sense of, of, of you know, of having to. But let me throw this into the mix too. The first equation comes out of pride and actually exhibits immaturity. You know, there's two places in the Bible, James and I think Romans, talks about the journey to maturity and where does it start? Trial, tribulation, hardship. That's where it starts, but where does it finish? Completeness, maturity. But if we're stuck in trying to maintain offence in the trial or the hardship, if we're stuck in being a victim in the hardship, we're never going to make it through. And we remain but babes in the faith. Maturity in faith comes when we can show compassion and forgiveness when we have been wronged. And it actually comes from a heart and a position of humbleness. Knowing, hey, I've actually wronged some people in my life. I'm not perfect in my relationships. I've said some you know, things that were out of place to people in my life. And I'm glad and I'm humble that they've forgiven me. Can you see where I'm going with all this, guys? Because once we can get our life in this, then sharing the gospel is just going to become second nature. Because that heart of compassion will compel us. It's going to lead us. It's going to say, man, Father, forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. Just as someone you know, said to me, and looked at me. And God looked at me and said, Rod, you don't know what you're doing. I can say amen to that now. Can't we all? Compassion. So whenever we feel in that place, stop and look at the cross. If I can have the ushers, please hand out the emblems for communion. If we ever find ourselves struggling with forgiveness, if we ever find ourselves struggling in offence, stop and look to the cross. There's a story in the Gospels of the woman that came into the house 
just before Jesus was about to go to the cross. And she had an expensive bottle of, of perfume and she poured it over the feet of Jesus and she wiped it with her hair. She cried upon his feet. And the religious and the, the others that were there were indignant of her. And Jesus said this one thing. He said this one thing, guys, if you understand how much you've been forgiven of, you will know how much to forgive. If we struggle in forgiveness, we have lost sight of what we have been forgiven of. If we have struggled in offence, we have lost sight of the offence that has been taken away from us because of our sin. And if we struggle in that, then we've got to look to the cross and think, Father, thank you for everything you've forgiven me of. My place was in total and eternal damnation. You have forgiven me of so much. And let that be a catalyst to reach out in compassion. Look at the words that Jesus spoke. In the midst of all that injustice, all that wrongdoing, all that betrayal, and yet he was able to utter those words, Father, forgive them. And you know what? Jesus wouldn't have been able to say that, of the, ask that of the Father, if he had first not settled it in his own spirit. He wouldn't have been able to ask that request of the Father unless it came as part of his heart towards them as well. Father, forgive them. Why don't we stand? Let me finish this morning with this scripture. And if there is something stirring in your heart this morning, if there is someone that you are struggling to forgive, if there is someone that you are still in, in a big way or a small way offended at because they did something, and look, guys, like I said before, People have done horrible things to others. I understand that. And the pain and the hurt of that, it, it can't be measured. I understand that. But there is victory in that. And it is through forgiveness, people. Not for their benefit, but for yours. To release you, to free you from that burden. It's got nothing to do with the other people. This is something that you must settle in your own heart. And if you struggle in forgiveness, if there is someone in your mind right now, look, it might have been 20 years ago, they did something to you as a child. We've got to find it in our hearts, out of compassion, to forgive them and even say, Father, forgive that person. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't understand the ramifications.
but there is a bigger purpose in my life. There is a bigger purpose in my life. And I want to take hold of that purpose, but I can't until I cut myself from that. Let me read these words to you as you meditate upon that. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Father, you know the stirrings of everyone's heart here right now. You know what has happened in their life and some of the, the hurtful and painful and, and, and things that should never have happened. But they're part of the journey. Lord, I pray. Holy Spirit, just bring a revelation of your forgiveness into their mind so that it, through that revelation and through compassion, we are able to forgive others. It's only through the cross, Lord, that this is possible. It's only by your example that we can say, yes, nothing is impossible with you. So my friends, let us look to the cross. Let us look to the blood of Jesus, which has forgiven us our sin. Without blood, there is no redemption of sin. Let us remember that as we drink together, thanking the thanking him let's drink together thank you Lord and his body broken torn apart whipped beaten so that we could have the fullness of life not only when we pass through door, the doors of death but also in this life as well that the eternal blessings of God would be a part of our life, even right now. Let us eat together, thanking him that he went to the cross. Amen.